Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a podcast about New York sports. Ryan Morick, Sam Allen, Matt McFeely here. Wow. What a week one in football. It's not done yet, but the Giants just wrapped up a thrilling victory. And how do you not start off with that? I have just felt all of the emotions that I think you can possibly feel in the last have that last two minutes I literally felt every emotion possible I guess that entire fourth quarter because I went from Daniel Jones didn't do anything to lose in that game to how can you throw that interception in the red zone and to Jones's credit he marched on that last drive and Brian Dayball all the credit to him but the story of it all aside from some bad penalties on that final drive Randy Bullock misses the field goal Giants are 1-0 for the first time in six years, but I think the real story here is the fact that Saquon Barkley looked unbelievable. He looked like his rookie form, and I was kind of annoyed at what Saquon was saying throughout the entire offseason. But you know what? If he's going to talk the talk, he's certainly walking the walk. He looked awesome. I think today was a career high for him in rushing yards, or at least it was the third time he had 150-plus, and I would assume that it's the first time he's done that since 2019 he looked amazing and i want to get into the contract and how he's going to do this in a fifth year and what this means for the giants in the future but he was their best player in a game that could prove dividends pretty soon with saquon as well as he plays this year and we all want him to he might be the most likable player in the league isn't it kind of already, haven't they already sort of washed their hands of him? Is, isn't it already like, you're not expecting him back? No, I wasn't before today. But I mean, if this guy's going for, uh, today was, a, you assume, an outlier. But if he's going to be a dominant player like he was in 2018 and 2019, how do the Giants not at least explore do, giving him some sort of a team-friendly deal? Now, I, I don't know how many times I've screamed from the mountaintops that, you don't pick a running back second overall. And I've basically been counting down the days for Barkley's rookie contract to end, but he was their best player on the field by far. He's going to be their best player on the field by far all season long. And if they're going to do anything this year, I mean, I said on two episodes ago, I basically only watched because it was the first Sunday of the year. And I'm glad I was wrong. I'm glad that I was wrong about Saquon. He looked awesome. And I, th- I think at this point, you, you can't help but not marvel at what he does. And it's, it's going to be a conversation. Saquon Barkley definitely started up or restarted the conversation with his performance today. Yeah, and he's, he's not just at a position like a wide receiver where, you know, yeah, wide receivers can get hot at the right time and they could have good stretches. But for a running back like Saquon Barkley, especially on an offense that was has – historically struggled of late he and I think it was very evident in the game today that he opens everything up just play point blank he was running the ball so well that Daniel Jones on a on a huge was it third or fourth down I forget it was like fourth or third and one he is able to fake the handoff run a bootleg and get it it was fourth and one yeah yeah and it was like when when would we ever expect that from the Giants and then that also opens up bootlegs and play action it makes you think about Barkley again. And I mean, not on top of having 164 yards on the ground, Barkley also had six catches for 30 yards. So it's not like he was just doing it one dimensionally. Like I guess his opponent today, Derrick Henry mm-hmm. is known for, and there's nothing wrong with it. Cause Derrick Henry obviously is a tremendous running back, but when you can catch out of the backfield, uh, you can be a weapon and uh, not just any weapon, but a weapon that the giants definitely need and have been looking for. We'll touch on the defense also, because I thought the Giants defense played. I thought they got bailed out a couple of times. They, they missed that one pass interference before. I think it was on Burks. They missed a really bad DPI. That a lot of penalties. Out. A lot of bad penalties by the Giants. The Titans too, though. Yeah. I mean, everyone got bailed out. Everyone got but bailed the Titans, out. But the Titans, I mean, again, aside from them being the favorite, the Titans are a good team. At least everyone thinks. Like, they're, that, that wasn't a – Well, they've won the division two years in a row. So, I mean, you can't yeah. just knock that wasn't them just out. Though, yeah, that, that wasn't just like another team like the Giants who was kind of just looking for a, a quick win. That was a team who probably, you know, went into the season with their game plan of we will be 1-0 and after this week. And by a few inches and a few inches here, a few inches there, they are now 0-1. So, well, well, 
as good as we uh, we like to think the Titans are, it is a team that lost to the New York Jets last year. Um, I think what really stuck out about the Giants' defense was how stout they were on third down. I think the Titans yeah. were three three of eleven on third down. That's big. Without without two massive pieces on the defense too. The Giants really only killed themselves when they had some bad penalties. I don't really think they got eight up all day long. Uh, well, aside from Kyle Phillips late, I mean, aside from a couple of the dump offs to Dontrell Hilliard, who scored twice today. I thought the Giants defense was all right, and which was really surprising. I was I had been suspect about the secondary. I had preached about how the fact that Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari was going to be a huge loss, but they held Derrick Henry to under 100 yards, which is not easy to do. So the defense, what all the credit to Wink Martindale for kind of just plugging in at what point it seemed like random players to me. Because I thought they played really well. But I do want to go back to Saquon Barkley. What really impressed me the most about him today was the fact that he put his head down and ran. He wasn't looking for the home run. He just took what was given to him and he hit a couple of home runs. He was not dancing in the backfield like he did a few years ago. And all the credit to him for the fact that he's able to do that. But I just, we've always said, hit singles, the contact will come. And I think that's exactly what Barkley did today. I don't think he was dancing in the backfield, waiting for some random holes. He saw holes. He filled them up nicely. Nice. And, and he went crazy. <laughs> was that A.O.? <laughs> but but <laughs> no, I just, <laughs> no, I just love my track of thought. But <laughs> for a guy who waits to hit the home run a lot, he put his head down, was not afraid to do the dirty work. He, he got hit hard a couple of times. Yeah. And, and and he got yards and he's going to be important for the Giants, especially if Wanda Robinson is, is hurt for a long time. It was weird that uh, Kadarius Tony was off the field for a, a lot of the time, because when he has. The yeah, ball, I thought I thought stuff. when I saw him, I feel like I didn't see him the entire first half. And then I started seeing him in the second half because Wanda so, Robinson was hurt. Well, which I thought that were. I don't know. I've seen people get benched. And why Wanda Robinson was playing that? Well, no, it's not that Wanda Robinson was playing that much because you expect that out of a second round pick. You don't expect it out of your first round pick from last year to not play. Yeah, we're, well, I think we'll definitely hear more about that in the coming days uh, about where I guess where Tony is on the depth chart, or maybe if there was something else like something he had. And I've seen people, you know, get bench in halves for you mm-hmm. know being late to the team walkthrough and stuff like that. You know, stuff like we. It's behind closed doors, but we will yeah. find out later. But you never know. But I thought Tony, when he was in, and like Barkley, looked absolutely electric. Yeah. I thought they they ran a couple of plays. They ran that that Philly special type play with the double reverse, where it looked like Tony was, about, was about to throw to it. Yeah, that was crazy. I haven't seen something like that from the Giants in a long time since. Oh, they used to do that with Odell. To be quite honest. Yep. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and again, for back to Saquon, I just thought he looked fresh. He looked. He was not like, I don't think that maybe the Giants, I don't think the Giants O-line has gotten, you know, drastically better, if at all. But I think that when you have a running back that looks fresh and looks electric and even jumpy, which, you know, people can debate if that's a good thing for running backs. But he definitely looked like he was able to hit the hole at the right time because, you know, in the NFL, these holes close up in an instant. So it's literally you have one step to make up your mind and he looked fresh was making all the right reads as a running back again out of the backfield. It was, it was a spark to the team. Saquon is really, he's, he's the reason that Daniel Jones was able to do what Daniel Jones did today. You know, win the game, throw the ball 21 times. You only do five incompletions. Listen, the fumbles are still there. I think that back shoulder. That fumble that, wasn't really his fault though. He kind of, he got rocked on, and sure. in the middle of a throw. You're not, you're not wrong. Sure. Right. Uh, that, that back shoulder throw to Saquon in the end zone was really ugly. Oh, yeah, um, he stared at him. Listen, I, I, I think that if he has this kind of game, ever, let, let's say he averages a performance like this for the season, I think he's still, you're still looking to move on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he did what he had to do. The coaching staff helped out Daniel Jones a lot, too. Like, they, they didn't right. – uh, I don't mean to interrupt your point, but I felt like any time that Jones had to extend the play, he got sacked. Which is kind of weird because Jones is really mobile, underratedly mobile. We saw it on the fourth and one bootleg that that Sam had mentioned. But it's so weird for a mobile quarterback to not be able to extend a passing play because that should be one of the – that's what what I was most excited about when Daniel Jones did get drafted because we hadn't seen Eli do that in forever. So 
kudos to the coaching staff for, I guess, digging and dunking their way to some chunk yardage for Daniel Jones. But in the same breath, this isn't a long-term recipe for success. So like you said about Jones, I mean, if he keeps doing this, you can't say to yourself, oh, this is, this is what we want out of our quarterback for the next few years. Can you get away with it next week for the Panthers? Probably. Can you get it away with it in a couple of weeks from now against the Dallas Cowboys? I don't think so. So they're going to need to figure out something. And, and maybe this is O-line. Maybe it was coverage sacks. But from, but from the looks of it, every time Daniel Jones extended the play, it didn't end well. When it was timing routes and all that stuff, he looked fine. He didn't make any mistakes short of the, short of the turnover. Also, aside from the long touchdown to Sterling Shepard, but they need to start untap. Maybe they'll do it little by little, but I expect Brian Dable and, and Kafka to kind of start building off of whatever untapped potential is there is for Daniel Jones. Yeah, that, that actually leads me into a question I've been wanting to ask you guys. Um, speaking of the coaching staff and Brian Dable in his debut with the Giants on the road. You know, I wanted to ask you guys what you guys thought about the call to, to go for two there, because I, I liked it when when it was called, whether it worked or not. I thought it was awesome. So so, so it, it's funny. I wanted them to go for I, th- I think the first possession, they went three and out. I said, go for it. Like because at that point, I wasn't expecting anything from today. I just said, just screw it. Like you have nothing to lose. You're a first year head coach. Uh, maybe that goes differently in the locker room. I personally wanted to kick it because just I, I think when your expectations, your expectations change like that, you just want to be safe. Obviously not going to complain now. I personally did not like it. I wanted the point, but it shows that, you know what, this leads me to my point. If they scheme up something that's good and, and it was side note, a great play call also, but if they scheme up, I think Brian Dable and, and, and company, they have the trust in themselves to say, if we scheme up something properly for Daniel Jones, he won't screw it up. And if they believe in that, go right ahead. So, so th- th- that decision to go for it alone gave me a ton of confidence moving forward. And this game alone, I don't want to sound a broke, like a broken record, but, but if they really think that they can avoid Daniel Jones' mistakes, that's a plus. And imagine what they can do with a quarterback. We're assuming that they're going to have another, a new quarterback soon who's going to be better. Imagine what they can do. Yeah, and I think to McFeely's question about the play call, I'm a fan of it, and I, it's, I've changed of late because – I used to be very conservative in those situations where I would say, yeah, kick it and then, you know, play for your life in, in overtime. But I think my recently I've been a more fan, not just for the giants or any of my teams I'm rooting for. Uh, but I think I'd rather have the game, the ball in my hands to determine the game than give the opponent a chance to do so. Right. So in that, in that situation. And I think honestly, it says a lot to the situation the giants found themselves in today. Because I think that if they're, if this was a 7-7 game and the Giants scored that last touchdown to tie the game at 7-7, where it's just been a defensive struggle, I think the Giants probably say, okay, well, we stopped you majority of the times on defense, so we could stop you again. Well, but they I didn't, think that, but, they didn't. But, but, that, but that's, that's why I think they went for, they went for it, because right. they realized that, okay, well, we finally got to put up, you know, more than didn't they have a crazy streak last year? Where they didn't score twenty plus points. I, I think I think they broke it in either twenty. They broke it one. I think they broke it in either nineteen or twenty. But but very recently they. But had yeah, it. but yeah. I mean, like it was two games, and then yeah. So the, the Giants, back. the Giant. I think it says a lot in the Giants saying that. All right, well, look, we've for our team in the last few years and the way we're shaped, we've scored a lot of points today. I don't want to give it give it a chance for their offense to score, and then I just want to take it right now. So I like it in that situation. And I think it says a lot about their confidence in Daniel Jones, their coach, Barkley, the whole team, the whole offensive unit, play calling and and the players themselves. It was really, really gutsy and it worked. I, I didn't like it, but I think that it's a refreshing breath away from Joe Judge last year, who we like being conservative, Sam, but he was way too passive. I mean, we literally saw it last year with – goal line sneaks from their own goal line not the yeah, other that that was 
that's something that's going to be in giant lore for a long Literally. time. So, and, and another thing too about the giant game today, which I think will be the B headline in all of this is, well, actually probably be a bigger headline if they ended up losing the game. But I think people are still going to be talking about that clip of Dable really getting into Daniel Jones after that interception. He must've said something. That? Yeah. He must've said I, something. They, they yeah. both didn't look too happy, but if I'm a giant fan and I see that like out of my, my first time head coach, I want that. Like, yeah, I don't want the guys. Judge, it's what you want yeah. Joe Judge to actually be. Yeah, that's, that's what, what he Joe presented Judge himself. Pretended to be. Yeah, yeah, he presented himself as that. And then it never happened. But then, you know, you instill that in Daniel Jones week one. When he goes home tonight, he's going to think, damn, you know, if I mess up, I'm going to hear it. And he, I feel like he never had that feeling before. So it, I think it's a, it was a good move by Dable. And I think, again, I think you, we could have had a different conversation if they ended up losing the game. About that, because if but, they lose um, the game, then we're all saying, "Oh, why do you do that?" It, it was a big argument. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it, it never looked like a big argument at the time. I, I just think it was Brian Dable going up to him saying, "Hey, you made a rookie mistake. Don't yeah. do it again." And he didn't and think about mistake. and think about the sequence of events too. The the sequence of events that happened there were throws the interception when they're in a good spot to win the game. Talks to him after they, a muffed punt where they got the ball back. Yes. And, and then when they get back on the field and they have a chance to win the game by going for two, he leaves it to Daniel Jones. So you could just tell that regardless of what he said to him he, or what he did wrong, he still had the confidence in him and the offense to make that play there, which, again, is, is a huge – I think if you're a Giant fan, you could not have had a better week one. Yeah. You know what we always used to say, Jets and Giants, but we used to always say, like, these guys aren't even playing the same sport as some other teams. The Giants didn't look like that today. They they looked they looked like they were up to speed. For it, it took them a little bit, but 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 even when they weren't doing much on offense in the first half, they just I thought they found themselves in holes, first and second down, a couple of sacks, a couple of false starts. I think they had a delayed game also. But again, I I, I think this coaching staff did something at the half someone lit a fire on under uh daniel jones's ass and it worked kenny galladay still scares me i don't really i don't know his numbers but I think well I'm can i can i piggyback off that real quick yeah one thing that i would say that i have thought about the giants for a long time now and i think is still a big red flag even showing today they don't have like a a go-to guy like they have barkley sure and maybe if obviously if Barkley keeps it up, he can take this spot. But we you know, didn't these, see Barkley out of out of out wide a lot, did we? we? Not really, but he was definitely he was. I, I mean, I mean, he's an option to catch the ball, but yeah, yeah. But, it, but it would be nice to have a guy that you're just like, okay, third down, like boom. Well, it, apparently that was it, Richie it, James it, today, but it would. That's the thing. Like who who you're gonna go into next next week if you're in the same situation and a third and five from the fifty yard line. Who are you throwing it to? Right. Apparently, you know, you're it's throwing Ricky it to James, t- who uh, made yeah. some big catches, but if someone could step up, it could be Kadarius Tony, Wondell Robinson. You know, hopefully, he's healthy. It could be him. But I think one issue I saw was obviously Daniel Jones isn't the greatest of quarterbacks, but you know, every you look around the league, I'm, you have the red zone on it. You know, fourth and goal. You know, Derek Carr is going to Devontae Adams. You know, mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins is going to Justin Jefferson. Giants don't have that guy. Even even I would not not obviously he's not on the team anymore. But the Giants thought that Evan Ingram would be that guy, mm-hmm. and he never turned out to be that way. But there was always the okay, well it's third third and four. Look look for Ingram up the middle or on a flare route or something like that. The Giants have no one like that, so right. it'll be interesting to see how they combat that. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see a lot of uh, Morick's um, big time player to watch for the season and Graham Gano there with only. Uh... Was, yeah, I don't even think he had a. Yeah, how was? How do you feel about Graham Gano after? That? <laughs> oh, he looked great today. Well, he he yeah. drilled that extra point. It was the best extra point I've ever seen. They didn't even oh, let him yeah. kick at the end. And they got and they robbed him of another one. Also, yeah. I want to do that. Just remind, do you think that that was a reason why Brian Dable went for two at the end? Also, no. because of the no, 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 no. I don't, I don't even. I don't even think it was a thought. Really? Because that was the first. I I don't know who was calling the game. It was someone. I I think it was Mark. I mean, uh, I think Mark Sanchez is pretty smart for given uh, his talent level in the NFL. But that was one of the first things he said. He was like, "Oh well, remember they 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 didn't get the PAT off earlier, so maybe this is why." And I I don't know. I thought that was a nice little fun game that they played. But uh, I can't believe I can't believe it took four episodes to get a Mark Sanchez drop in this. (laughs) 
I was I, I was at you, under, you expected I was longer? under two and a half. Vegas knows. Vegas yeah. knows. Let's move on to the other team, uh, the Jets. I didn't watch much of this game. Thank God I'm not a Jet fan because I had red zone on. So I'll leave it to you guys to pretty much go back and forth on this. But from the outside looking in, uh, I did say that one thing that I wanted to see was the defense play well. And for the most part, they did. But when you are on the field 99% of the time, you're going to get beat. So anyone who says, oh, look at the Jets secondary, look at the Jets secondary, Joe Flacco was on the field for 12 minutes all day long. Like they're going to get beat. And, and you are playing against Lamar Jackson. Something's going to happen. You're going to get beat. I, I thought that Garrett Wilson had some of his flashiness, but it, again, I mean, this game was kind of over from the second it started practically, but it was over yesterday. Yeah, you, you you guys can take care of this because you guys watch most pretty much watch the whole thing. Yeah, well, I, I don't have too too much to say about it, but I think there's just there's one thing that you I saw coming from a mile away, and I think everyone could have predicted and kind of panned out. Joe Flacco is Thanks. a is a is now he's a serviceable backup quarterback. You know, in a pinch where you need to your quarterback gets hurt in the middle of the game, you need someone to finish the game and be serviceable. Sure, but you know that the Titans, not the Titans, I'm sorry, the Jets were totally just thrown off on their game plan. Joe Flacco is playing in absolute cement. He stands back there and just he doesn't move. He just kind of sits in the pocket. He is not Zach Wilson. That's yeah, for sure. no. That well, that's what I'm trying to say. Game plan wise, you know, you get bringing all these guys and you form your whole offense around Zach Wilson, and then first week, you you know, everyone's on the same page. And Zach Wilson's not your quarterback. So, and you know that he was just getting absolutely rushed. He had really, I don't even think the O-line played terrible. It was just, they had eight in the box almost the entire day, just like forcing him to throw. And they were just putting, there was, I felt like Such every time game he, plan. Right. every, yeah, every time he threw the ball, there was three people at his feet, even in, regardless of what the throw was, it was just, and I, again, I'm not saying that the O-line played awful, but for the, you know, five minutes that they were out there, I didn't think they looked terrible. But, I, I mean, I think Michael Carter had some really nice flashes. I think people forgot about how actually good he is. They mm-hmm. just bring in Brees Hall, who um, fumbles. fumbles. So, I think that's even more stock in Michael Carter. But I thought the defense played well, as well as they could for being on the field for 80% of the game in terms of time-wise. Mm-hmm. I just think that it's, it's really tough to judge this team without Zach Wilson because I really do think and I don't think this is the case around a lot of teams in the NFL, but there's certain teams that are so de- like dedicated to their quarterback and their quarterback's play style that it it's just without that, it's the, it's not even a team. So that's why I thought that the Jets literally looked, like we said before, McPhilly, how you know it doesn't even look like they're playing the same sport sometimes. I thought at points today, it didn't look like the Jets are playing the same sport. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, like you said, there's really not much to talk about. They didn't show you – they didn't show you any pluses from last year, you know, like they didn't expand on anything. Nothing looked better, but like you said, it's Joe Flacco. I think he threw the ball 59 times today, which had to be the most in the NFL. <laughs> it is what it is, man. I, 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 I'd like to see them win a game here or there before Zach Wilson comes back. But uh, like we said, it's, it's the only way you're going to judge this team is, is just, it's going to, it's going to go through Zach Wilson. So until we see that, uh, I mean, I'm not going to fault them. Like you said, the defense did play well. Uh, so hard to talk about. You're right. Like, yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's almost impossible to talk about. Because well, I'll say that, that this isn't them. I'll say that I, a two things. Again, I think Michael Carter looked amazing. And yeah, I think that, stud. yeah, I think he's an absolute stud. And I think that Wilson, Garrett Wilson, looked good too. Like, even even plays where there was like a broken player. So he is. I, I saw that one good, play. He made like nine guys miss. Yeah, that was. And I believe he got a first down in that play. And then there's another play where someone fumbled or the ball was loose and he was instantly right there. You know, he just seems to be like, again, this is just one game, but he seems to be one of those guys that's just like always around the ball or the ball always is going to find him. So I think that's, that could be a plus. I'm very curious to see his chemistry with Zach Wilson. But again, I think among other things, just like we said about the giants, the jets still don't have a guy either. I think if you, in order you need to be successful, you need an O-line and 
a, a guy, a guy that I you think, can go I to. Think the Jets, Jets offensive weapons stuff. are better, though. The Jets have candidates. The Jets have, have guys that could. Well, yeah, but what's how much of a difference is it between the talent level of a guy like Canarius Tony and uh, Elijah Moore? Or, I mean, I, or, I mean who, who else? Receiver-wise, Braxton Berrios, he's not – he could be a guy, I guess, but – I don't know. I, I think the Jets. I think a lot of people think that Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson can be not clear cut number ones on most teams, but. Well, how about this? Let's let's take those two receivers and then give me a team that has wide receivers like them of their play style. And one of them is a guy and the other ones are really solidified number two. What well, would the I don't know. I don't think anyone. Well, I don't think any of them do, but I think that there's like. When I say a guy, again, I'm I'm saying like a, a stud, like a guy who's who can do it all, who can play in, in the slot receiver as well as outside and has size and hands. Like, you know, a guy like, for instance, I think today, I think I think Elijah Moore kind of proved that that he could be that guy last year late, and then he got hurt, which kind of screwed. Well, him, but I I agree, but he wasn't. I feel like Elijah. I didn't haven't checked his stats yet, but I feel like he would he have three catches, yeah, I, two I, three I, catches. I think, went, I think he went like like five for forty or something like that. Like, get the ball in his hand. Like, force the ball into his hand. Like, same thing with Michael Carter. Like, I get you're trying to ease your rookie, uh, Brees Hall, into the game, but just just get the ball. In the, if your guys are making plays, get the ball in their hands. The Giants did that, and they won. So, I think that's a clear recipe for success. Well, I think, honestly, I was watching the, the Cardinals game uh, after the Jet game, and I thought that, obviously, the Cardinals have DeAndre Hopkins, and he's suspended, but I thought that Cardinals – looked like the Jets would look with Zach Wilson. Like, I thought just everything they do is with uh, – they had no Rondell Moore, but they had Hollywood Brown and a bunch of these little speed receivers and then a couple backs that they like to put in. Like, the offense is very – thought today, obviously, without Hopkins, it looked very similar. But, again, it's it's just so hard to judge without without yeah. Wilson in there. There's so, not going to be – It's all, any, it's all it's projection. Not- yeah, it, there's there's gonna be nothing dynamic about them until Zach Wilson gets back. It was just wind Joe Flacco up, you know, three five step drop, throw it somewhere. Do you guys know who were the top two leaders in targets for the Jets today? Um, Take a guess. Is one of them a tight end? Uh, is it um, Conklin? No, he was th- he was tied for fourth with well, seven. Corey Davis has to be. Corey Davis had nine targets and Brees Hall had ten. Okay, how many how many catches did Corey Davis have? Uh, six for seven, uh, but, 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 okay. Six for 77. Nice. Good day. Maybe that, maybe that's a, 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 a Joe Flacco to Corey Davis training camp connection that, that we see, <laughs> but, but it, it goes back. It goes back to your point, Sam. Why are we seeing Corey Davis get the ball that much? Well, that's, that's you're telling problem. me, you're telling me that that 16 targets between Corey Davis and Tyler Conklin can't go to Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson. I, like why I is agree. Tyler Conklin getting seven targets? Like, like, like that, that, that was fact what you just said. Tyler Conklin barely – I don't think he ever got seven targets last year in a game when he was a clear-cut number one. They have C.J. Uzomo, who I think is a better receive, uh, better receiving tight end than Tyler Conklin is. And Conklin's good. He's fine. But he's a guy that – he's supposed to be what the Jets got him here for, and that's just simply rotation, not seven targets in a game. Yeah, it's nice to have football back, man. I think the last two or three seasons leading into the season, Sam and I would have this conversation like, I'm just not feeling football this year. I'm just, I don't know. I'm not. And then like it starts and you're like, this is great. Well, today was something. Yeah. I hate kickers. I'm just so tired. Maybe it's just sour grapes because I lost some bets over some kickers today. I'm so sick of non-football. I had I had arguably the worst fantasy day of my career today. Well, okay, so... Uh, are we are we cutting our survivor pool? Because I had Bengals, I lost. Who did? Well, I mean, I, realistically, I, had, I, had I already won. Wait, oh, McFeely, didn't you pick the Colts? No, no, I picked Denver. No. I, already, I won. It's week one. I'm going to win it tomorrow. Thank you. You picked Denver. Yes, good survivor no, pool. Oh wait, 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 the Titans. So yeah. McFeely wins. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, tomorrow, I'm going to win the survival pool. In well, he needs one. the Broncos. The to win. survivor pool is over. No, you don't say that. Imagine we go need the Broncos to win. I'm. If we all lose, do we just continue? Yeah, I, th- I, I guess. Think the, I think if the Seahawks win tomorrow, today's the last episode of the podcast. <laughs> Which is sad because I think we do a really good job. But, yeah, today was pretty well. I didn't even bet on anything today. But if I did, I would have lost a lot of money. Because I'm trying to think of the spreads pull I had today. I liked the Niners minus seven. That lost. 
Uh, the three picks that I had for our football picks, all three of those lost today. I, I had Titans minus five and a half. I had the under in the Eagles and Lions game, and that was the highest scoring game of the week. And I had, I, th- uh, I don't think McBride scored a touchdown. So, yeah, so my picks look good this week. You know, you have a, a list of, uh, of people that really did you in in bets. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, I, have, I, I have my list. I had to add a Rodrigo Blankenship to that today and uh, <laughs> Randy Bullock. Come on, man. There, there, there's a lot of Randy Bullock going around, huh? He's, he's up there. He's a big boy. <laughs> he, look, he looked rather large today. Sam, did you place any bets for the Cowboys Bucks game tonight? Um, I did. I... That way, that way, when this is released tomorrow morning, we can we can listen back and be like, oh boy. And but can by I the choose, way, can by I, I, I want I want to give Sam credit here. The Falcon. First of all, we should have known this. The Falcons are going to Falcon, but you liked Falcons money line for a long time. They were winning for a long time, but like I said, the Falcons are going to Falcon. The lo- losers are going to lose. They had control of that game for, I think. Three quarter, three point seven five quarters of that of that game, and it was they just gave it away at the end. And I was so I didn't I didn't place any bets on it. That was just a total morale thing. It would yeah. be a moral. It would be a moral victory, and because I was kind of all over it. I was even I was even hanging on the rim in like the third quarter. Because yeah, was, you were. Did you I bet on the Did you bet on the Commanders game or no? I did. Yes. Yeah. That was, that I was also all over. A little sweat. Had to sweat it at the end there, but oh, you had a sweat. You, know, you never, you never. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is a tough one to watch. I'd say. I, do, I think. I think today for Trevor was a little bit of everything. I thought the the one wheel route that Etienne was wide open on. He yeah, definitely, out. definitely had some good throws that were that were not caught or you and, know well, misplayed. Yeah, yeah, Etienne dropped an easy one, but 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 yeah, like like you you put it in the group chat. We've joked all the, all the time about how my cable is. The giant game just started, but <laughs> but yeah, like you, I got that text from you, like as he airmailed, and like that was bad. Yeah, it was it was just a bad decision, and I think that I don't know. I'm I've, again, I'm not gonna. Every episode is gonna be me ripping Trevor Lawrence, but I he's just one of those guys that like I just need to see it. I haven't seen it yet, and I think his his problems are very uh, not. Again, I the argument we had this morning was about. Well, he was such in such a bad situation in Jacksonville. But the thing I said immediately when I saw that throw was, I don't think any coach that's is not stopping that throw. Yeah. That's not a coach's. <laughs> that's not the coach's fault. He just threw that up and blatantly lost them the game in a huge spot there. So, not high on him. I thought I was thought I had a nice pick going there, but uh, got my Commanders one, and I think my third pick was, I think I had the under in the, I had the under under forty two and a half in Cleveland, Carolina. That did not. That didn't hit either. No, fifty. So, one for three on this end. Not great. It was, uh, it was interesting to see the Browns uh, come away with that game against the Panthers because, I mean, I think they have the Jets next week. <laughs> they win a few more games and then in Cleveland, Sean yeah. Watson back. They they might just throw themselves right into the mix of contention. All right, we have about five minutes left on the Zoom. I I kind of wanted to talk about. Uh, baseball for a little bit but if we don't get to it it's fine but I do think that a real conversation to be had is who starts for the Jets week two Joe Flacco or Mike White and I was on the Joe Flacco train and I think I now think this is the officially the reason why the Jets are on the Joe Flacco train I legitimately think that they are afraid of Mike White kind of playing well and then replacing him I think that it is much easier to replace Joe Flacco and I, 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 again, maybe they think that Flacco is a better option, but I mean, there were Mike White. Mike White has become like th- this, this cult following <laughs> among Jet fans after that win against the Bengals. But I really wonder how much of a role that plays into their decision making because you know that you can j- take Joe Flacco out of a game. If Mike White, Mike White got benched last year and people were pissed. Okay. So well, I, I think I, it's, I think it's really possible. Intricate, I'm going to be real quick. I have a really intricate answer to this, and I want you guys to follow me. Who starts for the Jets week two? Who cares? <laughs> really? Who cares? It's, just, it's it's going to be the same thing regardless. I, I think see. I don't. Really- I don't know. I think it's more. I think it's more of the not as much the result as it is the message to the team. So, like, you're right. I okay, think but what else, message do you send to the team if you saw Mike White? Well, that's what I'm saying. I think the message is. Look, we still. I again, I like the one of the first episodes. I said I don't. I think the Jets looked themselves in the mirror. 
and said, we want to keep the bubble wrap on Zach Wilson because we cannot compete this year. So I think the Jets probably are going to look at their team from this past game, probably look at themselves in the mirror again and say, we're not going to compete. So we're not going to cause any other problems. You know, we're not going to have any, we're not going to bring Mike White in so that when, when uh, Zach Wilson's healthy, we can, we have to hear that, oh, we made the wrong decision to bring to put our, all our chips in Zach Wilson's basket. So I think the message, if they, if, here, I'll break it down. If they start Flacco again, they're all in on, not that they're not, but they're all in on this is Zach Wilson's team. Mm-hmm. We don't want to hear it. You guys overrate that, I think. I, I really think that 98% of all that Mike White hype was just simply jokes. But you know Jeff fans. Uh, or... But but it's it's more it's 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 more the it's more the Jets being afraid of the of the fans. That's what yeah, I'm saying. It's I, not a Jet I, thing. I think that was I mean, I mean, we're talking about like photoshopping him onto Joe Namath walking into the tunnel. It was I don't think any of that was really legit. I mean, for, for, I, really, I, you know, I'm a firm believer that if you if you listen to the fans at all you're kind of an idiot but but i i think that kind of plays a role i don't know i mean maybe you may maybe you're right maybe i am overthinking it but they probably will roll flacco back out there but i just you know but i think it also goes back to the point that that i said the other day i mean if if you really want to see mike white that badly what kind of faith do you have in zach wilson and i know that the jury's obviously still out on him but do you really need to see what you have in a, in a six rounder? And you know what? Joe Flacco's job today was to necessarily not lose them the game. And he didn't do his job. So, so the faults on Joe Flacco for that one, but I think if you play, I still think Joe Flacco is better than Mike White. And I think that if you played Mike White today, you might've gone blown out by 50. Maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe, maybe, maybe it just, it would have been, it would have been bad. Um, it would have been bad all over, but Jets go on one, not all too surprising. So let's get into uh, some baseball. I feel like we always start with the Yankees. So we'll, we'll start with the uh, Mets this time. Uh, Mets have salvaged themselves and the Mets get a big break because the Braves just lost on a walk-off. Did they lose this series to Seattle? They, they lost yesterday lost as well. They lost it. Yes. All right. So they just lost the series to Seattle. And this is why scheduling definitely, definitely, definitely matters. The Mets did what they were supposed to do. It got scary for a little bit, but I think it was just a little three-day thing where baseball was baseball. The Mets couldn't go the entire season without a couple of bad losses. It took them until September for Mets fans to get really upset with this team, and they aborted mission quickly, did their job uh, in that doubleheader against Pittsburgh. They did their job this weekend against Miami, and they get some benefit with – the Braves losing out to uh, who do they play Seattle and it gets a much easier for the Mets. What do we say? It's the Cubs. And is, is it the pirates again? Cubs going, pirates. Yeah. Do you have to go five and two? Right. I think you if think. you go five and two in these next seven games, you're doing your job. Even if the Braves literally win seven in a row, you go five and two, you did your job. Yeah. And the, and the bats are, are and you know, listen, Lazardo's not a slouch of a pitcher, all right? So the, the Mets bats are, are kind of starting to click again. Mark Canna's been on fire. Pete yeah. Alonso had a home run yesterday. Jeff McNeil seems like he's good for two hits every night. And, uh, you know, behind uh, – with help from uh, two bona fide Met legends in uh, Paul Seawald and Sam Haggerty, Braves lose again today. Mets back up one and a half. So Paul Seawald is so good. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy. He wasn't he's actually really, great. really good. Francisco Lindor is just doing what Francisco Lindor does. He goes off for a little bit, and then all of a sudden, he goes into this crazy slump. But his last four two hits against the Pirates, and then one for four, then three for five, and then one for four uh, again. So uh, it's fantastic today. Yeah, I mean, when when this lineup is at its best, when Francisco Lindor is it gives you an RBI per night. When Pete Alonso is a legitimate power threat, they shook up the lineup because we have seen one, two, three, four be pretty much the same for the Mets all season long, really up until earlier this week, where I think they put Alonso second. They may or may not have uh, benched. I don't think they benched on the door, but they definitely dropped them out down in the lineup, I think. But now people really have to step it up with. Stalin Marte going down. I really like the Mark Vientos call up. Again, I'm not one to 
beg for prospects to be called up, especially if it's a team that I don't even root for. But I think we've talked a ton about how the catcher position is basically just an automatic out with Marte out now. You need to have someone's bat in the lineup. Darren Ruff didn't really work out. Is Vogel back still? What? Where's Vogel? I feel like I haven't seen his name in a long time. He played today. He got a hit today. Okay, so, so yeah, Darren Ruff has not been a very good trade. I, I still think the Mets failed at the deadline, but, 100%. but but going back to my original point, when this lineup is at its best, it's very, very, very scary. In that same breath, though, if Francisco Lindor and Pete Alonso go into a poorly timed slump, you can have Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer and Chris Bassett all you want. You're going to need those guys to come through for you in big spots. Big wins, though. I mean, they, 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 they so they're home over these next seven games, right? Yeah. They should they should really win at least five of these. At least at five. At least. Anything else is, is kind of a failure, honestly. Is Marcus and, Stroman uh, making the city field return? Uh, I don't know. No, I don't he's know. He's not coming. He's not lined up. <laughs> I'm going to look right now. Uh, do they start? So uh, tomorrow, Cubs, Marcus Stroman is not slated to start, but they definitely have the pitching. So a guy I never heard of is pitching for the Cubs tomorrow against Bassett. Another guy I never heard of is pitching for the Cubs on Tuesday against the Grom. And then you have Drew Smiley going up against the Mets on Wednesday night. And then the, and then the Pirates come to town. Realistically, you should probably go. I mean, you're going to be. They're not winning every game. There's going to be one no, game I mean, where you someone, can't. you know. But uh, to, to your point about Vogelback, you haven't heard his name in a, lo- a long time because he's batting 192 in September oh, really? with a 490 OPS, whereas in August he had an. Uh, he also had a bum hamstring for a little bit too, and yeah. he probably still does. That's that. I was just about to say that he probably is still injured in some sense, and we're at that point where I mean, we see with the Yankees where. Some guys are in that weird spot where maybe an injury still is nagging, but they're not going to go on the IL because they don't want to be shut down for a week or two. So maybe Vogelback falls under that umbrella. But again, I think the Mets are, like you said, the Mets lineup when it's when everyone's healthy is they're stacked. Literally one to one to. It's not even the fact that like it's a stacked lineup that's so good and you can't get any. Like I just think it's a great combination of 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 everything. Of literally well, when you get when you get guys like, I mean, Alonzo's been producing all year. He's been absolutely probably. Do you think Alonzo's been the most consistent Met? Probably, probably right. Uh, Marte, him and Marte. Well, Marte. Well, Mar- I think the, it's more impressive what they're doing now without Marte, and they just put him on the IL. I don't know when it was like retroactive or anything, but mm-hmm. he'll probably be out for, I'd say, a, another series another, or two. Yeah, at least another week. Yeah. So. Maybe at the end of the given, let's see what they start doing. Cause you know, if the Mets somehow find a way to, you know, lose these the first two of the next series, you know, maybe they rush him back a little quicker, but I think uh, even without Marte, there's still a dangerous lineup uh, and Scherzer. Don't forget. They're going to have to go one time around without Scherzer. Oh yeah. At that's least. Right. So that's, that is, that's probably my biggest Mets concern. It's not, it's not the bats they brought in at the deadline, not producing, it's I, it's going to be the bullpen at some point. Bullpen right now, yeah. it is. If I if there is one Max Scherzer setback, and like I said last show, he says he's fine, but we saw what happened last year in the postseason when he just completely flamed out. I like I said, I I think if you don't have both Degrom and Scherzer, I really don't. I I, I don't see a world where they can win a championship. I I agree. They could still be good. They would yeah. still be a great team because, again, Degrom is the best pitcher in baseball i don't think it's really an argument anymore and when he's healthy but so my i guess my question off that is how many starts would you feel comfortable giving scherzer before his first start in the postseason it it also depends on where they are and things also right well let's just assume they win let's just assume the this it's holds so they win the division so when do you win the division I, I like I I think yeah. I think it's kind of a blanket question because there's if, if there's All one right. thing and I wanted to uh, like I hate to just absolutely crap on your point but no. but, 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 I, but but I think that the Mets aren't afraid and I wanted to give them credit for this but 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 in this in this one scenario it's it's almost at a fault I guess one could say it's a good problem to have they're not afraid to to tell you that this might be a big game. Even though it was the Chicago Cubs, 
they're what a game and a half up in the division. They they're not afraid to tell you they need to win this series. That this is one of those big games, and that was an attack for the Yankees a while ago. That doubleheader against the Astros when they threw out Domingo before Domingo Herman was actually good. They threw out Domingo Herman in, in one of the games, and I, and I can't remember who the other pitcher was, but we were saying the Yankees kind of just brushed it off. Like we're pl- we're playing for October. Good for them for playing for October, but you kind of have to win some of these games. So what was yeah. the question? What was the question exactly? Yeah. How, 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 I, how, how so? How many starts would you feel comfortable Scherzer having under his wing before his first start in the playoffs? Like how many do I like to ramp it back like, up? Two. I was, I was going to say two. He's one of those consummate professionals who's just done it for so long that he's just not really a guy I worry about in that regard. Well, now, again, now, so, we'll, so I'll go back to what Ryan just said about the Mets making it obvious that these ga- some of these games are huge. I can would, would it be crazy to think that the Mets bring back Scherzer for one of those last Brave games? The, what I think about Scherzer is because he's Max Scherzer, the second that he feels like he's good to go, he's going to go. So I, I don't really know that there's there's going to be a lot of beating around the bush and let's make sure he's 100%. I think he, he's going to go in there and he's going to say, I'm pitching this week. Yeah, you're, pitching, you're, like, pitching you're this right. Week. He's done this for so long. Like, he, he's a genius when it comes to his own body. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, if it gets to a point where he's not 100%, but someone goes up to him and says, we need you, he'll figure something out. Right? Well, when's his next spot in the rotation? I think on Wednesday. So then if it's Wednesday, then let's say one, two, three, four, five. When, Wednesday be- is at least the next day where there's not a starter lined up. And they have ba- and they have Bassett tomorrow with the Grom on Tuesday. So you imagine that they're probably not shaking them up too much. So if he misses two starts, that means he misses that one this week. And then he'll miss Monday, most likely again, Monday or Tuesday against the Brewers. So, so he's then that back on the that- 24th. That, that leads you back to either at the athletics or what I think is – so this, this is why I asked the question. They could either go start him against the athletics. After the athletics, they have two games at home against the Marlins before they have a set against the, the Braves. You know so what they're going to do? They're going to line them up for the first game of the Braves series. When, that's, no, that's no matter, no matter what it is. Not saying that's, that he's going to return for that at. day, but they're going to line them up for the first – game of that because that's what Max Scherzer likes to do every time that they have a double header or or an important game and you can mess around with the rotation a little bit whenever there's a double header Max Scherzer likes to pitch in that first game of the double header because you know that you are almost guaranteed to win that game so if Bush comes to shove and they're going to need him to pitch in the Brave series they're going to line him up for it's a three-game set right that, that starts on a, a Friday yeah they're going to line them up for, for that Friday. No I, I agree, and that's that. I was kind of asking questions to get to that, but that that I that's when I would say if I was a Met fan, I think that I targeted that first Braves game on what day is that calendar? It's the October second, no, September thirtieth. Yes, uh, Friday September Friday September thirtieth in Atlanta. So that means that you, he could probably return on the twenty fifth, which is the Sunday before. Two starts. On top of that, though, if you win the division, you do have a week off. Assuming I mean, that you're, but you're going to have to – I feel like it, the way the Braves are playing, you're going to have to assume that those that, that series is going to determine the division. That's fair. So he'd almost be pitching to get another week off. That's true. You're not going to worry about – you, you, you have to guarantee – right. I think guaranteeing yeah. yourself the week off is more important than scheduling yourself. So I think, yeah. I think if, I had a, if I had a guess on a date, I think that first Braves game would definitely be the day that Scherzer probably is in full swing and full health. Not, not in a pitch count either. Yeah, it, it's imperative that they come back to City Field and just protect turf. By the way, I, I didn't know that uh, Albert Pujols had another one today. Yeah, he broke rod. Yeah, you're almost expecting him to get to 700 now, and it didn't feel that way a couple weeks ago. Well, well he only needs three. Yeah. He needs three. Yeah. yeah, entering the year, he had he needed 21. Yeah, and I don't think he hit 20 in a year since 2017. <laughs> and then, and then out of nowhere, he hit. This is now 14 home runs in his last 43 games, I think. So I think if he hits homers at this pace. I think the Cardinals have 21 games left after today. 
he that that math adds up to 703 or 704 or something like that so are, are you guys starting to feel like the Yankees are getting their mojo back just a little bit I mean these were two really important games that they just won I know yeah. they don't have their pieces back dude when you texted us the other day like when you texted us the other day like we didn't even talk about the race series and how important <laughs> it was I was like oh my god like this series is really <laughs> important and then they lost the first game and I like pan, panic panic has settled in for a while but that Friday night loss was bad. But this offense really, really, really stepped it up. They, they, they hadn't had a laugher in a long time. And then they come back with two in a row against the, the team that's chasing you behind. It, it helps a lot now. And now, I mean, you, you said it, McFeely. Now they're getting some guys back. Nestor came back the other night. Bader started a rehab assignment today. I think Severino is going to start. Uh, I think he started a rehab. If not, if not, he already had started. He did start one actually, and he should probably come back this week. Look, I'm not going to sit here and say that they're going to be fine because we need to see the guys like LeMahieu and Stanton, and hopefully this is the turnaround for Stanton. Now he's hit a home run in back-to-back games. We need to see Rizzo step it up. Uh, Glaber hit two home runs today, but 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 we need. I, I need to see more than two days of this. And I've said it over and over and over again. If those guys don't step up, they're not going anywhere. And I'm really interested to see what the Yankees do when all these guys come back. Hicks has been benched. Uh, I, I, I just don't see a scenario where Donaldson is, is not playing. But they have how many guys coming back? A lot. <laughs> it's a whole. It's a whole team worth, and I think that uh, I. The only thing I disagree with anything you said there was I necessarily don't even think they need guys plural to come back. I just think they need someone else to be there that can hit behind Judge and yeah. take a little stress. You know, this it got so bad they were intentionally walking Judge anytime first base was open. So like that they because they they literally said we any pitcher any team said we're not scared of anyone behind Judge. So if you can even get. One guy, I mean, I saw Rizzo in the dugout the other day. Uh, so I, obviously he's not bedridden as people were reporting, at least not anymore. So yeah. he's probably coming back sometime soon, I would assume. And then uh, I, I heard Carpenter was in a, and still in a walking boot and he was like scooting around the dugout. Did you hear that? I think I did um, hear that. Yeah, I think on the game, Meredith, uh, Meredith Morakovic came in and said that uh, he, was sco- he was still in a scooter from his foot. So... Yeah, he's I, not playing this year. I, yeah, I'm, I'm getting weary on him. I don't think he's – I don't think we're going to see him. And I don't think we'll see Ben Benintendi either, to be honest. I'm getting, I'm getting less and less – I'll be very surprised if we saw Ben Benintendi again. Yeah. So, so what, what does that mean? That means your starting outfield is Oswaldo Cabrera, who – let me say this. Do you think he stays up? Okay, he has to because he is a plus-plus-plus defensive outfielder yeah. right now. And it is it, – it's not but, even but, but close has, to anyone but, else. But he's only played right, though, right? Has he played anywhere else in the outfield? I'm not sure. I want to. I want to say he only. Pl- no, he played. Like right now, they don't have a left fielder. So unless if you, you unless if you literally say we have no choice, go. Or ba- you can put Bader in left and leave Judge in center. They could. You could or I mean, no, no way they would put Judge in left. That that would just be no way. But I, I wouldn't be opposed to. I definitely don't think. I don't think Hicks is an option in the outfield. I just don't. I think the other day was his final straw. And, and honestly, for the Yankees as a I whole. I also, by the way, I firmly believe Aaron Boone and the fact that it wasn't a punishment. I literally think that Aaron Hicks's psyche is just so far gone at this point. Yeah. That was a, it was a mental benching. Yes. It was like, I don't think there's any other way to put it. But just think of, I mean, get back to your question about the outfield. Who else is there? They're not putting, Floreal's not going to start a playoff game no. in the outfield. He's not Marwin? even. I don't, Marwin is too. If they have Bader, it's going to be Bader, Judge, and Cabrera in some way. So someone has to someone's someone's got to, and I think I think honestly, I think they would probably feel most comfortable having two guys in the right spot and one guy at a place versus two guys at a place. Meaning Bader in center, Judge in right, and they'll put Cabrera in left and just hope that he picked up left field just as fast as he picked up right. Because like where I started saying, he is a plus defender. His he makes he, plays. He already leads a team in, in assists, and he's, he's, and he's, un, he's absolutely unbelievable. And the and the fact that he can play another position in the any other position in the infield, really. They even had him at first base the other day. 
So he can play every infield position. He's a stud in the outfield. He had his first home run today. Uh, I, I really like him. I think he actually brings like a flair to the team too that I, I really like and think that they definitely missed. Um, I see him in after his home run. I think him and uh, Glaber were had like their own celebration and stuff. It's just cool to see the guys that get along. It's very interesting, actually. I saw. Did you see Cabrera talk with Marvin Gonzalez the other day? I didn't. So they like they just the Yes broadcast zoomed in on them just talking, and I think Kay or David Cohn or even maybe even been uh, Cameron Maben said something like, "Oh, it's really not that surprising to see." Uh, Cabrera talking to Marvin Gonzalez, who Marvin Gonzalez is a longtime veteran utility player talking to who the Yankees are trying to turn him into, you know? Mm -hmm. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And I, I don't know, the Yankees are in a, I think this is, this is a huge series and it wasn't even like they played close games, but again, I still think no, this that, is a series you had to win. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you had to win this and they did. And I think that that's just, there was it five and a half games ahead now. Uh, is it, yeah, and four in the loss, or five, I think four. I eight. think it's, I think it's four in the loss, but I just thought it was a great series. But I'm still skeptical because I think where the Yankees have struggled, even when they were good, is in these like super high leverage offensive situations. Mm -hmm. I like I they had a bunch of walk offs earlier in the year, and then you know for the past you know three quarters of the season, no one's really been stepping up in high leverage outside of Judge. Yeah, Judge has been stepping up in high leverage. I mean, Benintendi they they brought in as a guy who could put the bat on the ball, but I don't know. I'm curious to see, especially with this lineup, because you know they put Stanton as a pinch hitter the other night, struck struck out. Yeah, I mean, who, why, who okay, else? why can't he pinch hit? I don't know, but I did not like that move from Boone whatsoever when they what, pinch it for him on Friday night when they lost. So Friday night, yeah, he I pinch hit so. for. He pinched it for Cabrera. No, Cabrera. No, I wanted Cabrera to pinch it. He pinched it for, I believe it was not Floreal. I think it was he pinched it for. He didn't pinch it for Floreal because that was the night that Floreal came in for Hicks. Yeah, I'd forget who he pinched it for. I mean, it was it like Castro or something like that? Maybe it was La Castro. Oh, Low Castro. I thought you said Castro. Like no, no, Low Castro. Like, that's kind of impossible. No. <laughs> Um, Speaking of minor leaguers, though, isn't it kind of wild that process still can't scratch the starting lineup like almost ever? They're weird with that, but we like we know that like they're but so like, strange. But, but, like, okay, Oswaldo Cabrera has proven to be a sick, a like you said, plus plus defender. Like, but 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 it got to the point where they couldn't play Aaron Hicks anymore. Not only did he get bent in the middle of the game. He also did not play in the game on Saturday, and I don't – was he in the – he wasn't in the lineup on Sunday, today Sunday. He wasn't in the lineup on Sunday. So I'm now assuming that he's just totally out of the equation, but why are they still relying on IKF at short and J.D. At you saw that IKF can still play third base somewhat decently while J.D. was gone. I think they still – somewhat trust Josh Donaldson's bat in this lineup, which is they know they it's, you're not wrong. They a hundred percent do. Cause he bats fourth, and, and he all, I feel like Donaldson always gets to like, think of a single. Uh, he not, oh God, don't get me started. He, <laughs> he, but he always gets to like the end of the line where I feel like the Yankees are like, all right, dude, like we need you to really step up here. And then he gets to the very, very end and he does something. And then he buys, he's like constantly buying himself extra weeks. Like right. even even later in the game, he pimped that single, and then he hit a home run the next at bat. Like, yeah, like if he just pimped that single and then struck out, even if the Yankees win, people would say, "What is this guy Donaldson doing? He hasn't hit a home run in weeks, and now he's pimping singles." But New York sports I, went three and one today. What I said, New York sports went three and one today. Pretty impressive. That's, I would love to know the last time that happened in a week. <laughs> well, yeah, on yeah, a it's, Sunday it's definitely football. Long, it's before, definitely long, but before we sign off here. Um, how is it fair to me that we were going to discuss punishments for survivor losers and because you guys couldn't manage to get out <laughs> of week one? You didn't even you didn't even win yet. Like, okay, happens, let's say I do. Let's say I do. Let's say I do. What your if, game is right, Monday. You're what, 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 the game right, done Monday. What do Sam and I have to do? I mean, I don't even know. We did we never don't know. Say, don't I, don't, don't say each other. <laughs> don't say each other. I think I think we should just make it into like some sort of like a pick 'em pool where like it can be a survivor esque where we can't pick the same team twice, win or lose. 
I say we totally get rid of it because that nah, was- <laughs> I, come on. No, I, I, like, I, like a, I like a pick and pull, but I mean, had you guys just not been terrible, like let's say you guys lasted two more weeks and then I won, we, we would have had a, a nice, a nice punishment. We, we would have had something fun. No, I, I, I'm honestly all for punishment, considering the fact that not only did we get eliminated, we got eliminated week one. <laughs> and you, and you want to know something? You want to know something you'll, you'll both hate? I take the pick again. I, I, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I would take the Titans again. I kind of want to. Re- I want to re-listen to the. I think. I think. The, and you know what's funny? Because we were talking. Like I was raving about the Titans. I was like, "There's no way that the Giants are going to win." And yeah. then I took your pick, and you and they took both my lost. pick, and either way, it lost. Yeah. You guys just yeah. embarrass yourself left and right, even using we each other's picks. We stole each other's picks, and, and 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 they both lost. And I believe I would have, I would take the Titans again for my pick, and I would take the if I had to do uh, the sniff of the week again, I'd still take the Falcons. I believe I said there's no way Mitch Trubisky goes on the road and beats Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and T Higgins, who got concussed and. But you didn't you you didn't bring up that there's no way Joe Burrow doesn't beat himself, which I know is exactly what happened. Yeah, kind of wild how week one and all of the flaws that seem to halt well, halt is a strong word because they went to the Super Bowl, but they didn't win the Super Bowl, and they, it was clear why, and nothing really helped there also uh, with them this week. Chiefs blew the doors open on Arizona. Yeah, the Chiefs are the Chiefs are for real. I mean, not that they they weren't, but you know that you lose your best receiver and then you come out and put up what do they score forty four points? Oh my no, god! Uh, they speaking speaking be- of speaking of losing receivers, geez, Green Bay. Oh my god, that was well, so Ro- remember last year Rodgers did the same thing where he just kind of just like didn't show up week one. Well, right out of the gate, he throws a seventy five yard dot. That's an easy t- that all three of us catch. Unbelievable. That game was just, that was a pitiful game for Green Bay. I'm genuinely worried about Green Bay. I know they were, they were, you know, I, I like you just mentioned, week one last year was just as bad. But I, Watson still had four, but, 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 but even if Watson did catch that touchdown, no, the, the highest targeted receiver was Romeo Dubs with five. So, like, I, I, I think that the Packers are still, Again, this is someone watching from the outside who doesn't know much about the organization considering I'm a Giant fan, but they're probably still kind of in their own preseason where Rodgers needs to just find anything with these guys. Yeah, but this is the first time where people actually started to be like, you know what? This year, I think the Vikings are the team to beat in the division. This is the first time we've heard that maybe since Rodgers has started. So it's a little bit different this time around, I feel. Kirk has always been underrated. Yeah, I have one more football question for you guys before we sign off here, please. If you're a Jets fan, listen, let's knowing what you know about Zach Wilson right this second. Yes. Do you kind of just wish that Kirk Cousins to the Jets had happened? No, 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 no. It gives you it gives your organization some stability at the very least. But like who? But like stability in what way? Like even if they become the Vikings and they have everything the Vikings have, what have the Vikings done? They've, I'd sign up for that. No, no, I'm good. I'm okay. I or, want. I rather. What, what? 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 What are the Jets not okay? What year did Kirk sign? 2019. Because I think because if if you put Kirk Cousins on the current Jets roster as it is, they're probably a playoff team. But I think we have to play the game where, okay, the, that money that went to CJ Mosley or whoever we want to play the game. Like, yeah, ex- exactly. We, we have to play away, that game, don't we? It would take away from other other things, and then they wouldn't have a playoff roster, most likely. And you have to assume that they probably win a few more games here and there, which leads them to not having – Like the, the, Jets, the Jets roster right now is based on a combination of them being able to spend money because they don't really have to spend that much money on their quarterback and them being developing a quarterback and therefore gaining picks and getting better picks. So obviously there's a lot that goes into it, but if you sign up for Kirk Cousins, you would have none of that. And I think like, even if the Jets do end up terrible this year, like they have a lot of picks. They're still in a good spot organizationally. It's not, and then it's at not least, like, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not like, it's also not like there's any huge – it's a, obviously a huge year for Zach Wilson's development, but he's they still have him under control, and they're still 
I don't know. I, I don't. I I'm also I like a the arguments here. I'm I, a doctor. I, I don't think that's a bad. I don't think that's a bad question at all. No, definitely not a bad question. But um, I've always thought that Kirk Cousins is just like a glorified game manager. I mean, that offense is insane. He's with right now, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook is better than anything the Jets have had in the last ten years. Yeah. I do think that this new lot, like, oh. Yes, I agree with you that Kirk is is a, is a glorified game manager, but in, in the same breath, I do think that he's still a little underrated. But I think that the Vikings think that they have something with Kirk Cousins that hasn't been touched into yet, and I think that they just want to air it out. I think that I, – I, I think – I forgot which one of you said it, but someone want, – they want to take advantage of the fact that this is the worst Packers team that we've seen since – Before Brett Favre, maybe. yeah. <laughs> Honestly, right? Yeah, they've had an insane streak. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, so someone I, I think Fox pulled it up before. Devontae Adams had more yards than like all of the receivers on on Green Bay. Come on, who? Uh, yeah, Tunyon and Dobbs, Dobbs, Dubs. They, I think Tunyon had six targets and Dubs had five. Like, you want to talk about a team without a guy? And of course, Christian Watson did himself no favors. I still think that he can figure himself out because, again, he still had four more targets. But I just think that this is kind of extended uh, training camp for them. But uh, wow, we've just been talking for this is the longest pod that we've had thus far. But it's also been uh, our best one. I I would uh, I would 100% agree. So. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll come back. We'll record Thursday night. I guess we'll just keep up our same schedule or something. I don't know. We'll figure something out. But um, good pod today. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll be back later on this week. Megan E. Smith, if you are listening, please let me know what Yankee game you want to go to because uh, we got to figure that out. So let me know. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and we will catch you guys next time. See ya.